You are now listening to the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. I am Daniel Lee, or photos by DLEE, your host as always. So here we are for another week. The episode will be called The Big Guys, named after the big announcement from Canon about the EOS R5 and R6, which will be our main and only topic this week. So I've been, to get into it like as usual what I've been up to, I've been sort of preoccupied in the past few weeks. I haven't touched my camera. Aside from the date of recording, yesterday I did play around with it a bit because I got something new that I want to take a photo of, but otherwise prior to that I hadn't touched it in the whole two weeks. I hadn't even updated my Photos by DLWE blog either because I had no photos to take aside from those ones a few weeks ago. So I've been sort of lazy with updating that post. Pretty much the long explanation of it is when I was a kid, or the short explanation of what it usually should be, I mean. When I was a kid, I used to be into wrestling like WWE. I was absolutely obsessed with it. If you go back to primary school, I would only talk about wrestling. If someone didn't want to talk about wrestling, I wouldn't talk to them. As simple as that, I was that obsessed with it. Now, as most people who are huge, you know, fans of lots of TV shows know, most shows are on break at the moment and won't be back anytime soon due to the restrictions around recording, you know, new episodes because of COVID. Because of that, there's not many new shows out right now. Usually, you know, prior to being cancelled around this time of year, this is when Ray Donovan, Power, that kind of stuff, you know, would be on, which I really miss those two shows. Uh, Power, you know, for all the fans out there, starting next September, keep an eye out for it. Book two is going to be so good. But now I've lost my train of thought. Because of all that not being on, I had nothing to really do. So, you know, I thought I'd get back into looking, watching WWE. Watched a few matches. Been obsessed with that. Been watching it every spare moment, you know, for the past two weeks. So because of that, I haven't really been shooting. Weekends, weather-wise, I probably could have gone out. Could have tried. We did have a lot of rain the previous few weeks. But, you know, in that sense, I could do my still life. Just very lazy. Just too much into my wrestling. The reason why I did start using my camera again, the other day I got a WWE replica belt. I'd always wanted one since I was a kid. I'd been to a few live shows, seen people walking around with them. They look amazing. Now that I own one, they're crazy. They're huge. They got so much weight to them, so much detail. It's an amazing thing. If you're a WWE fan, they're like 500, like AUD. I think US dollars, they're usually around three to 500 US dollars, but they're well worth the money if you're a fan and like a longtime fan as well, like me. In terms of photography, you know, updates for me, as I said, haven't been shooting. I did sell my 85mm. The only way I could, you know, sort of justify that purchase of my accountant, aka my girlfriend, is because I had to sell something. I didn't use that lens and obviously I had the 285mm. So I didn't see myself shooting with the F1.8 that much. I probably should have tested, used it, kept it for a bit so I could do side-by-side comparisons. But, you know, there goes my laziness again. Rather than do that kind of stuff, I just relax, watch wrestling, so now I don't have the chance. But, oh well, no regrets there, I got my belt, so I'm happy with that. So we're going to go hop right into the main topic here, which is the big announcement from Canon, which would be, we're going to mainly focus on the bodies, because they had a lot of announcements, but the EOS R5, which is its mirrorless successor to the 5D series, and the EOS R6, which is mirrorless successor to the 6D line, which I used to own and love. Now, they did announce a bunch of lenses, I believe it's a 600mm f11 and a 800mm f11. Very, very slow aperture primes, but they are super cheap, like US 
I think one of them is only about, I think, 900. I always get confused with the US pricing and that because obviously we don't buy it for that. So I pulled it up here. So, uh, okay, so it doesn't have the pricing there. That's for something else. For the, but they're very cheap. I know they think they're both under $1,000 US or under 1200 US, which is very cheap for 800 and 600 millimeter lens. I see them being more useful for landscapes than they would be for wildlife being that slow. The 100 to 500 F, I think it's 5.6 to 7.1 or 4.54 to 7.1 does look quite good image quality wise. It is a bit slow on the long end, but at the same time, it's usually a 100 to 400, you know, to F6, F4 to 5.6 or to 6.3. So having that extra 100 millimeters kind of justifies the bit slower aperture, but I'm sure we'll probably get 100 to 400 with a more faster aperture later down the track once they've sort of filled out other areas of the line. So what we'll do is we'll just go over a bit of the specs for both cameras and I'll just discuss my sort of general feelings towards these cameras as someone that could potentially own one if I didn't switch or, you know, doesn't stop me from owning one now. So as I mentioned, the EOS R5, when you look at it, it looks quite a bit like an EOS R in design. It doesn't have the manual focus bar, the, the function bar, I think it's called, that the EOS R had. Instead, it's gone back to having the joystick, which you know, most people are happy about. On the left side of the camera, you still got your on and off button as well as a rate button, which, you know, some people found, or I've seen in comments online, people think was a waste of space, whereas others think it's quite valuable. I myself have actually started to rate my images in camera quite a bit more, so I can see the value in having that button. At the same time, when I look at the back of a Canon camera, I used to like it a lot more compared to a Sony camera, because I thought Sony was too messy with all the custom function buttons. After using the Sony for so long, I actually prefer the custom function buttons. I don't know how I would do without it. In saying that, I know when I use a Canon camera, it's a lot faster to change settings because of the touchscreen and how good it is. So I think it would sort of balance out there. Sure, you know, I can press a button to change this on the Sony, whereas on the Canon, I can touch it on the screen straight away, touch it again, it's even faster or probably just as fast. So that sort of makes up for it. Both cameras, but we'll talk about R5, have a fully articulating screen. The EVF, I believe, did get a bump up from the Canon EOS R, which is good to see. It does have the top-down display, which, you know, I never used one when I, or not never used one, but I never actually made use of it. When I had my 60 and 60 Mark, original 60 and 60 Mark II, I never looked at them. I would always look at the rear screen when I want to change something. That's why I kind of love mirrorless as well, because once again, I don't even look at the rear screen now. I do everything within the EVF. And I've just pulled it up. When it comes to the R5, it has a 5.6 million dot OLED EVF with a 120 hertz refresh rate, which would be really good. So when most you see a lot of movement, so shooting sports birds, you won't see a ghosting across the screen. It's someone that loves high refresh rates PC monitors, something like a high refresh rate camera, you know, EVF is a very welcome, very, very good thing to have. And that rear screen is a 2.1 million dot screen as well. In terms of storage and media it takes it has dual card slots which is another thing people complain about before the EOS are not having this one has one cfx cf express card and one ush uhs2 card i can't talk to that i just finished work so sorry about that this kind of thing it's hard to say which what is the right way to go with it if they did two cfs express cards these cards are very very expensive like 500 bucks for a decent size storage one if they you know, so obviously 
If you do two of them, it's going to cost a fortune just to get cards. And if you're someone that wants the body but doesn't want to spend that much on the cards, which you know, kind of doesn't make sense, it can be you know a bit of a deterrent for it. Whereas if you go for two UHS, two SD card slots, obviously it would be harder in terms of video because you can't shoot at the highest bit rate or whatever. And that's my PC acting up then, sorry. So you have the option there of going for two, AU, two UHS SD, which is obviously cheaper, but then you're limited in terms of storage and performance wise. So, you know, having say one UHS two and one normal, um, what's it called? UHS one slot. It is definitely a bottleneck there because the UHS one slot can't keep up. So it makes no sense to have such a slow slot in one instance, whereas, you know, faster one in the other. When it comes to the CFS Express and the UHS-2, I feel like it's not as bad because UHS-2 is quite fast. Probably not as fast as CFS Express, but it still actually does, you know, meet, match performance. And you can use that with for stills only without seeing any sort of drop in quality performance-wise when it comes to shooting FPS and that. Video-wise, you know, not my thing. I'm not into video. I'll go into a little bit on that in a mo like later on once we discuss both cameras, but won't even touch the video features and all that. Apparently it has weather sealing similar to the 5D series, which is, you know, obviously a really good thing. A lot of the mirrorless bodies, I don't think they've been tested that much that extensively. And I know I wouldn't want to test mine, but weather sealing hasn't been the most sort of highest priority. This camera is supposedly has heat issues with high resolution video, which is normal. It didn't put any vents because that would limit the weather sealing, which to me, the weather sealing would be more important. But, you know, obviously I don't shoot videos, so I don't care about that stuff. Even if I did, I would probably want to know my camera is safe from getting damaged from water compared to like, oh yeah, it's getting a bit hot because I'm shooting in 8K 30p FPS. I can just drop it down to, you know, 4K 30 FPS and then I don't have any heat issues because it's only the higher resolution and higher frame rate ones that are having issues. In terms of autofocus, this thing is going to be a monster. So it has dual pixel CMOS AF2, which you know, is they're labeling it as two because it's meant to be a new iteration of it. From what I've seen in videos, this thing tracks beautifully. I think it was the camera store TV had a video showing the animal IAF on the dog and having it running at the camera. It was tracking perfectly. Like I know it's actually got the same AF as the 1DX Mark III, which both the R6 and the R5 have that AF system. Both have 20 FPS, which apparently the R6 has a better readout, so it would actually be better for a stills photography in that sense because of the lower resolution. In a way, because we'll get into R6, but it's pretty much a 1DX3 in the mirrorless body, in a way, except for the build. But in terms of AF, it's going to be absolutely amazing. There's a lot of videos out there of the animal AF, you know, IAF, like, in use, and you can see it tracks everything, like otters, um, dogs, cats, birds, even tracked a cat's a dog's butthole when it turned around. So, you know, can, there's no there's no limit for this R5's AF. It can track pretty much anything. In terms of price, I know US pricing was around three thousand nine hundred, which you know compared to the usual three four nine nine wasn't too much higher considering what it can do. I'd say you know obviously as time goes on, the minimum requirements on the body or the minimum specs would obviously be higher compared to the previous generation but considering this r5 is like 5d2 error and offers stuff that no other camera can do at that price point you know they have the right to charge more for it and i think it's worth it as well many soon sony shooters always go on about wanting an a92 something with the resolution of the a7r series but the speed of the a9 well now you got it in the r5 because that has the resolution 
of a higher megapixel body being at 45 megapixels. And it can also shoot 20 FPS, you know, with the electronic shutter. So there you go. You have everything you want with the R5. And I don't think I mentioned that at first. It is a 45 megapixel sensor. And onto the R6. So a lot of it is the same. So as I mentioned, um, the AF borrows it from the 1DX Mark III. Apparently the sensor, which is 20.1 megapixels, is actually borrowed, or not borrowed, based on the design of the 1DX Mark III. Um, has the same Digic X processor as the R5. So this thing is going to be amazing. I won't go into detail in terms of video. It does 4K 60 and, you know, 1080, 120. So still, it's pretty much the camera that can do almost everything. And it's quite a bit cheaper. It's 2,500 US. Once that price drops after six months to a year, which it always does, people will try and say, oh, it's selling poorly. Canon's dying. That's why it's dropping. Canon is smart. They know people are like me that have to have the camera the second is out. So they put the price high. All the people who are, you know, gear hungry like me would buy it. They drop the price down after six months, you know, to a year. And then that's what the actual reasonable price is. But they've already made money off the people, the early adopters like myself. In terms of this, um, with the R6, has all this, as I mentioned, dual pixel AF2. It does also have IBIS. So one thing I forgot to mention about the R5 and the R6, they have up to eight stops IBIS with this um, correct lens. So you get, I believe, five stops in body and up to eight if you have the proper lens, like a certain RF lenses. There's actually photos, like handheld photos, two second shots of waterfalls that attack sharp. That's how good this lens and this body combination can be in terms of IBIS. So yeah, Canon, you know, excluded it from their previous bodies. Now they've introduced it. They've already beat the competition. Fact. In terms of the EVF, the one on this is a 3.69 million dot, which I think is um, it's OLED viewfinder as well, which is similar to the EOS R1 or the same one, which is not a bad one. I've used the EOS R briefly and it's so much nicer EVF compared to the A7 III. In terms of the rear screen, fully articulating 1.62 million dots, not the highest resolution. Once again, higher than my A7 III. It's fully articulating, so I would take this over mine any single day. In terms of card slots, it's dual UHS-2 SD card slots. So that means, you know, you can write to the card super quick. If you want to shoot at 20 FPS, one card can take JPEG, one card can take RAW. No issues there. Weather and sealing and all the moisture resistance is similar to the EOS 6D series. And it has all your stuff like your Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all that kind of goodies built in for you there. In terms of both of these cameras, I think if I was going to buy one, I would honestly go for the 6D. Uh, 60. See, there I am already calling it that, the R6. For me, I don't need the higher megapixel. I do not care at all about video. They could release a body like the Nikon DF without video. I would prefer that over one with video. Time-lapse, that's another thing. I would love time-lapse feature in there, which I'm not sure if they've included an intervolumeter in it or not. But regardless, the R6 is the camera I would go for, purely based on a... I don't need a higher resolution. B, I don't get my wet, um, camera wet or take it in a, even a drop of rain or drop it or rough on it and any of that kind of stuff. So I don't really care about that. And free, um, just price alone. As I mentioned, 2,500 US versus 3,800 or so US out of my price range for that. In the AUD, I believe it's about 6,500 for the R5. Um, and I think it's around 4,500 or 4,600. 4,600 for the R6, which is honestly way too high. They're jacking the price up way too high over here, as always, trying to make the most. 
of us, you know, using the dollar as an excuse or whatever. Would I switch over to this camera right now? It's a definite no. As I said before, I switched out of gas. I shouldn't have switched. I should have stayed with Canon as I had no issues with Canon at the time, but I just switched purely because, you know, I wanted mirrorless at that time. Canon didn't, full frame mirrorless, Canon didn't offer it, so I switched. Do I want to switch? If money, if someone, you know, Canon said, hey, you will buy your body off you, you're zero out of cost, we'll give you this new camera, 100%. Without even the slightest bit of hesitation, I would switch. For one pure reason, that fully articulating screen. Now, what if Sony were to add this? That would make it a lot more interesting. I'm really happy with all the lenses I have in my Sony kit at the moment. I'm trying to keep for this kit as long as possible. I don't want to switch anytime soon. And not to mention, if I did switch to Canon, I couldn't afford the RF glass lenses. I'd have to pretty much have like 35mm and 85 only because there's nothing else in those other ranges that I can afford and that I want to use. And I don't particularly want to go for all the EF lenses. So for now, my future is purely Canon. One thing that sort of annoys me when I read all these kind of announcements. Now, I understand people want to, you know, get these cameras to shoot video. They include video features, but video isn't what makes up these cameras. These, at the end of the day, they're more for stills than they are for video, especially for something like the R6. If the R6, you know, didn't do this, blah, blah, blah on video, who cares? It's a stills camera. You know, I, people wouldn't go to red cameras and that kind of stuff or the C300 and complain, hey, how come the C300 doesn't do 20 FPS in stills? Or how come the C300, you know, the red camera stills doesn't have this option, dual pixel, you know, like uh, that kind of stuff. It's because they're mainly video cameras and you know, you can often take some stills. Like these, these are mainly like they have the 30 minute limit. It's mainly a stills camera with that great video features. For me, it's always sort of like, mainly because I'm not into video. I don't like hearing about video. When I watch my reviews, I prefer something that covers purely stills. Like for example, if I'm watching a review for something, if the first half is stills, the second half is video, I'll just stop watching after the first half. I won't even bother watching if there's any kind of video stuff. If I click on a review and I find out it's more video than stills, I'll just stop watching. That's me personally. I'm very photography orientated. I don't really care about video in that sense. Obviously, there's people out there that love video. I probably offended some people, but you know, everyone has their preference. Everyone has their interests. For me, video is not that. It's only about stills. So when I hear people complaining about video features over and over again, I personally find it a bit annoying because I just want to hear about the stills features. I don't care about that stuff. But yeah, that's me. So I hope whoever listens and whoever didn't get offended and will never listen again enjoyed, you know, this podcast and me discussing these cameras. Next week I'll, or next fortnight, I'll have a bit of a different, more interesting topic. And if, you know, you do want anything, you have a request from a topic. I've had some one request from Joey. Going to be doing that next week. but. Otherwise, if you have any requests, do let me know. Reach out to me, Twitter, the web, tpepodcast.xyz or thephotographyenthusiast.com and I'll be happy to cover that topic for you. Now, this concludes this episode, so thank you for listening. If you'd like to see tutorials, reviews, or find older episodes of this show, you can find it at tpepodcast.xyz. If you'd like to see my personal work, you can find me at photosbydlwe.com. All of these links will be in the show notes. Otherwise, you can find my links and everything from my website. If you did enjoy this episode, make sure to subscribe so you can be notified when we release a new episode every fortnight. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. Bye.